Welcome to Eastgate Church. I trust you'll find this message inspiring and encouraging for you today. And again, I just want to say to everybody, you know, the hour, the hour is late. Tonight, I was going to, if I was going to, um, to give a title to this, it was going to be TikTok, and I thought that would probably get a few attentions. Um, but it's like that proverbial clock ticking, isn't it? TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. You know, many people believe that uh, especially in the prophetic circles believe that, um, that the, the clock is ticking that would be that last week uh, Daniel's 70th week and that they, you know that week is relevant to a seven-year period now that obviously there is going to come a time when the clock starts ticking down from seven years but then you could say that for 10 years or 15 years would it that would embrace that so but there's many people who are talking that language and speaking um, and, and saying something desperately is that something's changed something's changed and, um, and you can feel it in the air, can't you? And um, even even out with the Israeli situation, I, I believe something started ticking away back when COVID crashed into our shores. That'd be 2020. I personally believe something in the realm of the spirit took place in 2020. And I believe that definitely something took place on the 7th of October this year. Uh, whether that's a clock ticking down for the last seven years, I'll just leave them. I'll leave you to work that one out for yourselves. I, I personally think we're, we're close. I think we are moving towards the last of the last days. And, you know, we shouldn't be um, surprised because the Bible tells us there's going to be the last days. And there is going to come a time when the Lord is going to bring the consummation of the age to an end. And he will come and he will say enough is enough. And, um, and he will intervene. And that will be it. The world will be, called, will, be, will be closed. The King of Kings will return. Hallelujah. And, um, and, and he will bring his rule and his laws to this earth. Isn't that amazing? The Savior is coming for us, his people. Glory to God. We will see him and we will be caught up in the air to meet him. Hallelujah. Changed and transformed. That's a great hope of the Christian faith. Glory to God. And the world that the Bible, Jesus is very clear that the last days are going to get very wicked indeed. And I'm going to go and put that light on just as I'm talking here. It's nice to get an extra bit of light. So, um, so it says, when you see these things happening, we, we are not people who should be living in fear. Um, but, but we are to look up, hallelujah, and we're, and, and we're looking towards the Lord. When we're looking towards the Lord, we don't get overcome by fear, um, but we are meant to be shining in the midst of the darkness. So really that, just that expression, and, and you know, the, the clock is ticking, and, um, and I believe that you know, time is running out to get right with the Lord. And I think I've been on beating that drum for a long time, especially within the church. It's time for us to get right with the Lord. As I said, it wasn't just a wake-up call for the nation of Israel. Somebody was showing me some headlines today on the phone. I forget actually who it was that showed me. He says, look at this. Do you know there's a, there's a great many Jews now all turning, are turning in prayer towards God at this moment in time. They're crying out to the living God because their hearts are breaking for these hostages that have been taken in there. I mean, the whole nation is broken. It's broken the nation. It's shattered the nation. Um, like never before, they say it was the worst day um, since the Holocaust years. I mean, like it's there, 9-11. It's, you know, it's... It, it's it's, it's had such an impact, uh, and it's pulled the whole nation together, but there's a massive amount of people now turning to God in prayer, crying out to God. For they know, listen, it's not, they know it's not going to be the IDF or great um, political ag agreements that's going to rescue these hostages. They know that these hostages are in the grip of, in, in, in hell, and it's only God that's going to, to release them. And, um, and so we will probably maybe even finish with a little prayer that they will find themselves back safely with their families and that God will intervene here. So we can see, um, I do believe that something is happening. And, um, and you know, listen, 
this world is not our home. So glory to God. I'm not making any plans for this world. I'm making my plans for the next world. Glory to God. For my, it's in the heavenly kingdom. That's where we're destined to be. Glory to God. This world is is going to be rolled up and down and dealt with, and we are looking for the kingdom of God to come. Hallelujah! And we will live forever and ever and ever transformed. That's a good thing as well, isn't it? We're not going to be living in these old bodies and struggling with all the old temptations. We're going to be totally and utterly transformed. Amen. You'll be looking just like a young lad, but at the end of the day there, Norman, hallelujah. <laughs> no aches and pains. And um, but well, I don't know, I don't know what, what can I, how we're all going to look, but listen, we're not going to be old. And just as we finish, how we finish, we're going to be transformed. That's a great hope of, of the faith. So being that kind of TikTok experience, I'm going to talk about ticks to begin with, amen, because it's just kind of coming to me. We were just finished the Freedom in Christ course and uh, and uh, and I'd been talking about this way before then. Anyway, some of you maybe heard me talking. And, and the, the power of a tick, what, what, what are these little ticks, these little creatures? And generally, they're very, uh, you know, they're, they're, there's loads of them around the west of Scotland because they tend to stay in wet grass and things, these little bugs and um, termites, whatever you want to call them. And their job is they're looking for a host. They're looking for something to latch onto and, uh, because they need blood. They feed off the blood. Generally, sheep, predominantly deers uh, are another victims as they go through the long grass and, and what they do is they climb up onto the top of a blade of grass and they just wait there very patiently for their meals to come towards them it could be a little rodent whatever it might be but they're pretty prone to to jump on and latch onto humans you know that's why when you're out there in the in the, in the the big blue yonder there, Stuart's a man of the outdoors, you know, it's like, you know, you always have to be very, very careful, because it's easy to pick up a tick, you know, and you wouldn't, and sometimes you wouldn't even know it, some ticks are bigger than others, but some are just like little tiny specks, you would struggle to see them, and you don't even feel them biting you, it's only a little bit later you get a little red rash, it says it can be like a bullseye, you know, and, um, and what they do is they, t they can hang around for maybe a couple of days, or even up to two weeks, and they gorge themselves with your blood, and then once they're fully satisfied, then they just drop off. And then once they, then they need to replenish, they'll then they'll be start the process again. And then they're looking for a host. Call them little predators, aren't they? And, um, and that's, that's what their jobs. We can think of other ones, can't we? The fleas. I, mean, I remember the days when fleas were commonplace. That's shown my age a little bit, but that was the days, you know. Everybody had fleas. You'd go to school and your mother would be raging because you were always going to come home with a few extra hosts. And I always remember getting the bone comb in the morning, you know, at night. That was a great treat. I know it's crazy for us kids, but we loved that, you know. I mean, we would all be around my mother's knee and whoever it was getting done, you know, we'd be like, Mom, there's one, there's one. And, you know, the bone comb, that got, that got the wee rascals out and then you would crush them. And, you know, that was, a, you know, it's amazing how kids take pleasure in that. But I tell you this now, it's, it's a terrible indictment. You're getting, that's, oh, God, you know, it's like, you're unclean, unclean, you should have a bell, you know. It's like... But again, they jump on from host to host, and, uh, and that's how they spread. We could look at other ones. We could look at leeches. You know, I remember the film African Queen. It's a classic, Humphrey Bogart. And, you know, when he's in the swampy waters, and he comes out, and he's got all these leeches. Again, they stick their heads in, and they just they feed off your blood. Basically, they're feeding off your life. Did you know that? Because it says the life is in the blood. And left unattended, you'll be left weak and vulnerable. It says you can become flourishing just for these little ticks. And um, and the danger is you need to be you need to be conscious of it because I've I've kind of when I was looking at this and thinking of it they, they're little time bombs you know just waiting to explode and if you don't if you don't deal with a tick and it just gets it's like a little it's like a little bomb ticking 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 and if you leave it unattended there's going to be an explosion 
Sometimes I said that, I said that not so long ago to someone. I don't have to mention any names. And I says, you know, you've picked up a tick and you better deal with it. Of course, they, they, they didn't, wouldn't have acknowledged that. You know, when something ticks you off. You ever been ticked off? You get something, you know, I'm just ticked off. Or I'm a, you know, to use that expression, something gets under your skin, you know. I'm a bit annoyed about something. And, and, and it bugs you and it bothers you. And, um, and usually if you don't deal with it, guess what? There's going to be a wee mini explosion along the road. Sometimes it might just be a small thing, you know, a wee miniature explosion. Or sometimes our hell's going to be turned upside down because somebody just goes off in one. But it begins with a little tick. And it's recognizing that you'll know when there's something not quite right. And you might start going off the radar a little bit. And, you know, and I did speak to someone. And I says, listen, you need to deal with this because this thing is like a wee ticking bomb. Of course, if you don't know it, you don't recognize it, or you don't see it or perceive it, then that generally can be the case. So we're seeing these things. And so what we could use is, and even use that as a kind of a spiritual metaphor to that as well, you know, because we live in a, a real world. But I think so much of the church now, we seem to become blinded to that spiritual realm. We live very much in the natural. I mean, we don't associate now as much as the early church. I want to tell you this, the early church were very aware of spiritual beings, demons, whatever you want to call them. They were, they were very much aware of them and they were very conscious of them and they knew how to deal with them. The early church exploded when Jesus came, didn't we? All the time we see Jesus, he's cast out demons regularly, cast them out, set people free. I mean, and the scriptures are full of it. And the early church as well, we know great commissions and probably get there when he sent out the 10 or the 12, the 10, 10, the 12, and then he sent out the 72 and he says, go forth, you know, and preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. And how many times that, that, was, that was a great commission of the early church. And it really shouldn't have changed really for us as well. In Matthew 12 and verse 43, I've got down here, just as these little predators need a body to, to, live, to live off and to feed off, so demons. Demons are always searching for a host, like these little bugs. Well, these spiritual beings are looking for a host as well. They need a body. They look for a body to inhabit. They need a body to inhabit. They're, they're little spirits and they're, they're out there in arid places. So they need a body to, to live in, looking for a host. And we see that when Jesus talks about in Matthew 12, it talks about when an evil spirit comes out of a man. And you'll read that in verse um, 43. It goes through an evil spirit. It goes through arid places seeking rest, but it does not find it. Why? It's, it's, it's been cast out. It's been cast out of this host. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied and swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. So we can see that these spiritual beings need a home. And, um, and they need some place to reside. So they're always looking for someone that will be able to accommodate them. And we have to be aware of that today. I think we think that the demons have all just left the earth. They're not left the earth. They're very, they're very there. I think one somebody says, uh, in the west of Scotland, they did a small area, these scientists. You know, if we can trust scientists, can't we? we you know, we'll just take it there. There's, I think it was a very small area. This is with something like 800,000 ticks. And it was a very small area. Just out there in the... And, and that wilderness zone. And I want to tell you this, there is a lot of demonic influence at this moment in time circulating, and we need to be very much aware of that. You know, when, you're, when you know there's an enemy, my friends, you can fight against it, but when you don't know your enemy, then you're oblivious to it, isn't it? It's, I liken it to, 
you know, maybe just one day you're walking up the park and everything's fine. Could you imagine walking through, because I've been in Africa a couple of times and, um, you know, and you're walking through a situation and a terrain when there's lions and all kinds of wild creatures, snakes and things like that, you know. Do you think you'd be walking, and it was, if it's late at night and you're walking through, there was, I happened to do that one night with a couple of these guys. I was terrified, for goodness sake. It was like anything could happen. And you know, you could hear these noises in the bush and it's like, you know, you're walking in tent. Not that we should be doing that here in this realm, but I want you to tell you this, we need to be conscious that there is powerful forces that would be seeking to attack us at any given time. Glory to God. So they're looking for that particular habitation. Mark 5, we know the situation with the demonic man. And I'm glad I wasn't staying in his part of town. You know, I mean, it says this man lived out in the, the tombs and lived out in the hills himself. In fact, I think we weren't too far from that area. For us who were in Israel, we were just up the road, actually, a little bit from that area, the Decapolis, uh, where this man happened to reside. And he lived out himself, cutting himself. And he says, when Jesus encountered this man and asked his name, he says, there was a host of demons inhabiting this man. And so we can see that where Jesus then was going to cast him out, and it says they begged Jesus, we don't, we don't, don't cast us out. You know, we don't want to leave the area. And if you do, send us into these pigs. And we know there was a good few hundred pigs, maybe 2,000 of them. I'm not they're saying it was 2,000 demons. And they, and they asked for permission to put into the pigs. And they don't, why Jesus gave them that permission, I don't know. But they did. We know the whole herd of pigs raced down into the Sea of Galilee and, um, and were drowned. And it caused a great stir and caused everybody to be upset. So much so that they asked Jesus to leave. And, um, but we know shortly after that, he, because of the testimony of the man who had been cleansed and set free, then all of a sudden crowds came and flocked to him. So we can see here that demons also can inhabit animals. Now I've had two experiences in my life, and it happened to be two dogs actually, and I'll maybe tell you the story of two dogs. One was, was Linda, I don't know if you remember this, Linda, we were walking the bottom end of Fox Park, and this woman came walking along, and it was this big, I think a big husky type dog, and I remember looking at this woman, she looked at us really weird, I don't know if you remember, we were just out walking, and this serious woman's eyes, I always say, watch somebody's eyes, and I just knew this woman looked really demonic, she really did, but see the dog, I, mean, I still remember that dog's eyes today, I looked at that dog, you might have seen that dog's eyes, I mean, that, that was evil, it was staring at that dog's eyes, evil, I just felt it from the dog. Another occasion, I happened to be in a place called Sarush, which was in Turkey, southeastern Tur Turkey. I was down in the border of Syria. Don't ask me how I got there, but I went to work in a refugee camp with Syrian Kurds. So just as I very much, well, well, you know, have been, love Israel and, um, and pray regularly for the Jewish people, I worked there with the Muslim Kurdish people who I really put a burden on my heart. And I was working in this refugee camp um, with them, with uh, another group. It was actually, believe it or not, an Iranian Christian group called 222. That just, the plot thickens, doesn't it? And um, anyway, it was through them, through somebody that came here. But I remember one day, uh, one day in particular, I was in the camp. And as I was walking through this camp, this big dog, a big lurcher, came running through the camp like that. And I remember this dog looking at me and I looked at it and I just felt such evil, evil. See the look in this dog's face? It just looked at me like that. I don't know, I just perceived such evil from this dog and it just kept running. Thank the Lord it kept running, you know. And, uh, but I remember that experience. Something just stuck out, stuck out from that dog. And I don't say that lightly, my friends. It was just something inherently evil that was staring back at me from that particular dog. So we can see here, demons then can also inhabit animals. Um, 
you'll be you'll be scared to go home now and give your give to see your cat now. You'll be wondering is, is there something here? Let's not jump to too much conclusions. What I'm saying is though we can know that these spirits can inhabit animals as well, and the Bible is giving us a clear illustration of that with the pigs. In Ephesians 6 and 12, and Stuart brought that out when he says we're at war. And I think we have to realize, yes, the war has always been, but there's something intensifying today, and we have to be aware of it in the realm of the spirit. We're seeing it in the realm of the natural. It's natural to see this, this, this brewing up just now. The, the world seems to be, you can feel it again. Actually, you know, see if you wanted to look back at the beginning of the Second World War, and um, you started, there was a lot of tension going on in the world leading up to Hitler's rise in the early 1930s. My friends, study history. You'll start to see there was an awful lot of things happening today. A lot of people are saying what they're seeing today is just, you can see it all happening again in the past. There's something happening around the world at this moment in time. You can start to see things could easily escalate. I'm not going to prophesy anything other than that. But we know that we, have what, we don't war against flesh and blood. But rulers, powers, authorities, and the heavenly realms, spiritual beings. That's who we war against. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but we have to realize that we're in a spiritual war, but it's a spiritual war. We have to see beyond the personalities and realize, actually, they're under the control of dark, powerful, evil entities. And these entities in that spiritual realm are just as real as you and I are. Look at personalities. Uh, I don't ask me what they would perceive to be looked like, but they're real entities, and every single one of them have got an individuality just as we have. They're strong, and there's weaker ones in that hierarchy, in that spiritual realm. And, uh, and I think the more that we come to realize that, you know, there's other brothers in many other parts of the world that have got not a problem believing in the spiritual realm, but we seem to have lost a little bit of that, and I have to keep reminding myself as well that there is a great battle taking place just now. 1 Timothy 4 and 1, I'm just going to kind of throw out a few scriptures and hopefully um, be able to land what I want to commit to is this evening. 1, um, 1 Timothy, let me just get to Timothy, I'm just going to stop short there. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 says this, the Spirit clearly says that in the later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. It's the word of God here. It clearly says in the last days that people will, uh, will turn away, abandon the faith, and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And such teachings come through hypocritical liars. And that really become, will come through people. People who are under the power of demons are, being, are under the, 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 the control of them. And they are teaching in many different environments. Hallelujah. The Bible says that. Deceiving spirits. How many times did Jesus tell us, be careful that you are not deceived? It's the first thing that he says. Be careful that you are not deceived. Satan is a great deceiver. He's a master liar. He's had plenty of time to master his craft. He's good at it. He knows us. He knows how we tick. He knows all about our, fail our frailties in the flesh. He knows how to attack us and he knows how to deceive us. That's why Jesus is constantly says, be careful that you're not deceived. Look at all the false religions there are around the world and you could go and speak to many of them. I don't want to be leading them in the Moonies or the Hare Krishna crew. You could look at Mormonism. You could look at the Jehovah Witnesses and everybody, Islam, they're 100% sure that they are sure, that we are, we are right and you are wrong. And, um, and we can see this. You're not convinced them otherwise. They're, they're, they are totally deceived in what they believe and they will think we are, are deceived as well. So we can see these things. Just jumping up to 2 Timothy. 
And just reading another couple of verses there, 2 Timothy 2 and 26 says this, and, um, and Paul giving instructions to Timothy, those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. And then um, it says, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Amen. He's taken them over. So they've believed a lie and now they've been used in the hands of the enemy to promote that lie. And we see them all over the place. And unfortunately, even within the church as well, it's so easy um, to be deceived. I've got down here, if a demon can't kill you, it will seek to immobilize us. Amen. If they can't wipe us out, they will seek to immobilize us and to bring us into a place of bondage. Remember the place in Mark 9, 14, that talks about a little boy with an evil spirit. He was a little lad and um, infested with a demon. It talks about the spirit of epilepsy. And he took seizures continuously and the disciples were unable to deal with the problem until Jesus came. Hallelujah. And we know that Jesus dealt with the problem, set the little boy free. But the, the, the father says that it's tried to kill him, thrown him into water and thrown him into fire. And it says, it never seems to leave him alone. But the master came, the Lord Jesus Christ came, glory to God, and dealt with the problem and set that little lad free. The disciples go on to say, what happened? Because don't forget, they had already been empowered, they'd already been casting out demons. And now they were like, Lord, how come we couldn't cast this one out? And Jesus says, this kind can only come out through much prayer and fasting, depending what scriptures and from what book you're reading from, whether it's King James or whether it's the NIV. So there is strong demons and there's maybe weaker demons and we have to realize what we are up against. Remember the seven signs of Seba and, um, who tried to cast out the demon out of the demonic man and, um, and it backfired on them, didn't it? So rather than casting the demon out, the demon rose up and beat the living daylights out of them. So we can see that taking place there as well. Glory to God. Remember there was a little woman, Luke 13, she was bent over double for 18 long years until Jesus came and Jesus set her free. We don't actually read about Jesus actually casting out a demon. He says he laid hands upon her and she straightened up and she was completely healed. And then when people started to find you know, fault with Jesus because he was doing this and it was a Sabbath day, Jesus says, is this woman who's Satan is bound for 18 long years, should she not be set free? Remember this, Jesus came to set us free. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank God for the mighty Savior. When he comes into our life, he sets us free. Glory to God. And we see that taking place there. There was a demon-possessed woman. You'll probably know her name. Her name was Delilah. And, um, and she was commissioned by the devil to take out the great man, Samson. We read that with Samson, isn't it? God was using him. He was one of the great judges of Israel. You know, it's so easy to just pick up Samson and pick up on his faults and his flaws. But, you know, he led Israel for quite a number of years. And he was a great champion, a great deliverer that God used. But he had a problem. And his problem, obviously, was with women. We read that very much about him. And it says, but the devil laid a trap for him. And the trap was set in this woman called Delilah, who was paid a lot of money to actually to bring this man down and find out the secret of his strength. Yes, she was a, a, a devilish woman indeed with evil intent. And Samson fell in love with her and thought she was fully, you know, fully committed to him. But all the time she was looking for a way to actually destroy this man. And we know the story, don't we? That she eventually, she managed to nag him to death in whatever way you want to look at it. And he stupidly revealed to her the secret of his strength. And we know the enemy came took out his eyes, cut off his hair, 
And there was Samson now immobilized. The great man, the great deliverer now was cut down to size. So what I'm saying is this, the devil cannot kill you because they tried to kill him many times and were unable. Then he will immobilize you and take your power from you. And I'll tell you this, whenever you enter into that realm of sin, my friends, I want to tell you this, he's got you and there's, only going, to, there's going to come a moment in time before you fall. And the bigger you are, the bigger splash you're going to make. Hallelujah. So let us always be very careful about these things and be aware of what is taking place even today. In 1 Corinthians 5 and 5, Paul, when he was talking about the sexual immorality that was taking place in that church, to a degree, Paul says, we don't even see it in the pagans. A man has his father's wife. Now, whether that would have been his stepmom, I do not know. Uh, and Paul, the church was the church was accepting it and the church was not dealing with it. And Paul writes to him and says, put that, judge that brother and put him out. Paul, t- and when the scripture says this, turn them over to Satan. It's an, it's an interesting language. Turn them over to Satan that he might be taught a lesson, if you like, and might be disciplined, turn them over. Then people ask, well, what does that actually mean? It probably means this, put him out of the church. Put him out of the church. You know, the church is, a, we don't realize how important the church is. People now just treat the church, ah, I'll go, come, I'll go, and I'm not. Do you know, a church is like a wee fortress. Look at it this way, could you imagine the days, if you watched old films with cowboys and Indians, there was a fort, wasn't there? And once you were in the fort, the gates were shut and and you had everybody guarding the fort. You were safe while you were in the fort. And then all of a sudden, one day, somebody opened up the gates and kicked you out. And you were outside, you weren't inside. Now you were at the mercy of, shall we say, to the natives of the land, your enemies now. You were no longer protected inside, you were put outside. And this is an example when you're put outside the, the church and the protection of the church now, all of a sudden now, Satan could easily come and attack you because you were not, you didn't have that kind of protection of the Lord round about you. And it says, but once he comes to his senses and learns his lessons and repents, then quickly restore him. Maybe we need to be looking at that so much more now in the church. So we can see here, turn them over to them. We read the book of Romans. How many, the chapter one in Romans, and the Lord says he turned them over three times. Why? Because of their sin, because of their immorality, because of their direct rebellion against God. Three times in the first chapter of the book of Romans, it says God turned them over to a reprobate mind. God turned them over. God turned them over. Hallelujah. Listen, I want to tell you this, guys. We really need to be staying very, very close to the Lord this day because there is a real spiritual world out there and it's on our doorstep. Revelation 9 and 10 talks about this the time and I'm saying that maybe that's going to be very much future. It talks about the abyss will be opened and locust demonic spirits are going to be poured out upon this world and they will be given power for five months to torment humanity apart from those who are sealed with the Lord. Hallelujah. And who knows that the days that we're living in, I'm not going to try and jump ahead of time and I'm not going to lag behind time as well. But I do see an explosion of satanic activity around this world, even in my own nation. We're seeing things that we just never, ever thought that we would see that being loosed upon our culture, on our people. Can I maybe finish tonight? And um, because I, I, I thought I'd better go back to Nehemiah 4 since Nigel brought it up and um, hopefully bring a little bit more nuts and bolts to it. But it is very familiar. Um, to all of us is the story of Nehemiah and the Great Commission. He was to go back to Jerusalem and he was given a a, a specific task to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem because Jerusalem was defenseless. Its walls were down. 
and the enemy could just come and go as they wished and they were not being able to protect it. So Nehemiah came and he was commissioned to what? To rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And we know as soon as he did this, I just want to flag up one verse. You know, see whenever God begins to move, the enemy knows about it. See when God begins to raise somebody up, I want to tell you this, the enemy knows about it, you know. And I love this, this one verse, Nehemiah 2 and 10. When Sinbalat the Horite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, when Nehemiah came in to Jerusalem, it says this, they were very, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Amazing. These were the people who were controlling the show, who were running, running the town, were running Jerusalem. But all of a sudden they perceived a man of God now came riding into town. Hallelujah. And the powers of darkness were all astir. And you can see that in the personalities, real personalities, but it was the powers of darkness and says that they were angry and they were disturbed that someone was coming in to now to help the situation for the Israelite people who were in a bad place at that time. Thank God for Nehemiah. We never actually did get to the to, into Jerusalem and actually see Nehemiah's. There's a part of the wall that's still there even to this day, Nehemiah's wall. But then as we begin to chapter 4, it says here again at the very beginning, Symbolic heard that they were rebuilding the wall. He became angry and was greatly incensed to the point that they began to ridicule the Jews in the presence of their associates and army of Samaria. And we know that some of this, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? And they just become, you know, verbally abusive. You ever been verbally abused and people just rubbishing you, just decrying you? Let's never underestimate the power of words. So they came with him words, and what he's trying to attain, what he's hoping to do, look at this state of this. You know, and I think it was uh, Tobias says, even if a fox jumps up in that wall that you're trying to build, the thing will collapse. You know, and they were trying to, to, to rob them of their initiative, to actually, to demoralize them. You ever been demoralized? I've been there a couple of times, you know, you ever run out of steam? I remember um, in a season when we were busy rebuilding this church, well, not really renovating it, not so much rebuilding it, but it was, there was a lot of work in these stones. See these stones? There was an awful lot of work uh, needed to get done in this, and there was only a small body of us doing it. And there was sometimes, you know, I, I allowed a little, I allowed just, I, I, people were talking into my ear, and it was, it was, it was affecting me. And I remember I was, I, was having, I was having a bad day, you know, because it was just immense, and it just seemed as if it was so immense, but I just had to keep going. You know, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And you know, but I was getting a wee bit annoyed, and people were saying, where is everybody? And there was one day I was up there, I can still remember it. See that above that window there? There used to be big wooden, wooden Bresna beams, big railway track things, instead of the, the, the concrete lintels. And I had to kind of shugle them out very easily like that, right? They were totally rotten. And they just shuggled them out very, very easy. The stone just stayed like that, and then you quickly got your concrete lintels in. Hey, presto, job done. Most of them did this. Now, when, just when you're having a bad day, it's a bad day. I've got a little bit of scaffolding up there, and I'm shuggling out, shuggling out, and here, a couple of these big stones come down, battered me a couple of times, nearly knocked me off the scaffolding. And it was just one of those days, and it was like, and, and I remember coming down there, and, and it was just like, I was allowing a lot of words to upset me, and I went, I'm just a monkey here. A monkey. Maybe the pastor, here I am, stuck in here myself. And I'm saying like that, and nobody's given a jot. Nobody's given a jot. I'm stuck in here. It was just one of those days. There was some people coming in and helping now and again, but it was like one wee period I was going through it all. And then I came down here and I went, sack this. And I'm standing down on this floor. And I always remember, then all of a sudden, I just started to get the reality of God. And I just broke that spirit 
that, that spirit that was speaking to me, you know, you're, you know, you're useless, you know, you know, you're wasting your time, you know, where is everybody? Do you know what I danced? I started dancing all over this floor. Did, started singing in the spirit. And I, I'm, Jillian, I'm sure, I, I'm sure it was Hebrew. I don't know. It sounded brilliant anyway, right? And I started dancing all over the floor and I went, Lord, I will... If I'm a monkey, I'm your monkey, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I started dancing all over the floor, singing in the spirit. And I just said, I broke that. Do you know, I had to break. I, I knew there was something powerful that was attacked. And I broke it. And I must have danced around the floor for about half an hour and singing and praising God. And then I jumped back up the ladder and I got on my business and I broke that. But did you ever get that point sometimes when just something can just niggle you and niggle you and niggle you and niggle you? And, and it gets what? It gets under your skin. And then before you know it, it can break a situation. This one's saying to be ticking bomb. And it can easily just, you get ticked off, you get annoyed. Well, I had to break it that day. And there's many other cases in your life you can find that with the negative words. Because that's how the enemy attacks us first. You know, I see this sticks and stones. Sticks and stones, that's a good one, isn't it? Sticks and stones will break your bones. Well, because I'm lucky I never get any broken bones. I get battered with that big rock up there and stone. I'll tell you this, words are far more powerful than blows. You recover from a blow. I like Nigel. I never even noticed the wee cut, but I thought that was quite funny. You know, just in case you thought I got a Glasgow kiss, he says I was I was pulling some paper towels out of one of those dispensers, and the, the dispenser came off and walloped him in the head. You know, so that was quite funny. Just the, not the, you know, the proverbial you see somebody coming with a black eye. Oh, by the way, I walked into a door. You know, you know, you don't want to admit something has happened to you, but we can see these things. But I tell you this: words, or well, words can, words can kill you. Words can pull you down. And you can try and act, well, yeah, I'm big enough for that, but they affect you, don't you? If somebody speaks to you often enough and just constantly puts you down and constantly puts you down. I mean, this is why I've had to apologize to my wife, and I'll say that in front of everybody here tonight. There was a time I was very unkind to this woman. For a long time, my words were negative. Just negative, just constantly coming. I, and sometimes I've done, they just come out fast before they even hold them in. And uh, they were negative and they were wrong. Hallelujah. But glory to God. She's tough skin, that lass. Many women would have kicked me out the door. <laughs> but I know what that can be like, you know. And when you're hurt sometimes, you react, don't you? That's dangerous, isn't it? When you're hurt sometimes, you react sometimes. And you say something you, do, you shouldn't have really said. But you say, because you're hurt, it makes us more prone to just, well, we, we can... What's the old expression? Give them a good tongue lashing. <laughs> it's powerful. How many times we just let our tongue just let, let it loose? And that's what the Bible says. The tongue is, a, is, a, is like, it's like an evil in, in, in the body. Very small but powerful. And we need to tame it and control it. And just don't let ourselves just, come, just let it loose. Well, here we go. These guys now are just giving them dogs abuse. And, uh, and it has an effect upon them. We can see that as we read on there. You, you can see they're just they begin to ridicule them and mock them. Laugh at them, throwing insults in the face of the of the builders. You know, I'm telling you, they can pull you down. So again, but they carried on. They deal with their critics. They're still pretty high in the adrenaline, in the long haul. And verse six says that so, but they rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their hearts. Glory to God. This is what I'd love to see again happening within the church. That we put our heart and our soul into the word of God. And into proclaiming the gospel. Being the kingdom of people that God has asked us to, pee, to be. To pee. <laughs> Just a slip of a syllable there, Linda. 
Amen. The heart and soul. Do you know something? See, when you put your heart and soul in it, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And this is, I haven't even got this down in my notes. I might just fling it out to there. And you know that, I mean, sometimes it's easy to put your heart and your soul into areas and of, of life, you know, that maybe you're running a wee business, you put your heart and soul into it and it's successful and it's rewarding. I think it's time we start to put our heart and soul into the kingdom of God. Really put our heart and soul into it and realize the business that we are involved in. You know, we are, in, we are, we are, we are involved in building the kingdom of God. And I think we have to really just give ourselves a little bit of a encouragement in that, brothers and sisters. But here we go again. But when Sinbalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, interestingly, they're named, and the Ammonites and the men of Ashod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls were going ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they became very angry, very angry. And they all plotted together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we, listen to this, but we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. Hallelujah. So now they're very angry. So the enemy will seek to attack you, but then see if you just push through and they start to see the work starting to accomplish. Half the wall now is up to its height. The, the enemy is getting more and more and more angry. And, and actually, if I want to relate that story. That was us pushing into the, the, the work here as well. Listen, there was a spiritual attack upon us. And it's not just for any, it's anybody that's busy about the Lord's business. We believe that it was the Lord that brought us here. Believe God gave us that building, not just because we got it for a tenor and told, got, told the council were, that it was ours, but they did give us it. But the enemy never wanted this church to open up. I remember one day I'm up there in the roof. I was all over the place and, um, in those early days. And it was... Um, Derek Parker, the great historian, stayed in Eldersley. He used to write articles in the Paisley Express, for anybody who knows Derek Parker. Anyway, Derek had an affinity to this church. His mother and father came here. He came here as a young lad. I remember what he used to always encourage me. He was so encouraged. That's why I couldn't touch that tree. Derek would have, whew, Derek would have sorted me out. Don't, I could get, take that tree down if I wanted to. There's not a protective order on it. But Derek, had, was, he was a guard dog. Don't touch that tree. It was very, you know. But I remember one time, I'm up in the roof, and Derek was going by this time, and he, you've got, this is why it's great to get encouragement, guys. Can I tell you this? It's great to get encouragement. Every, there was a lot of negativity, and this going on in my head, and people saying things. And Derek Parker went by, and I'm up in the roof, and he went, Arthur, for goodness sake, you're like a modern day Zerubbabel. <laughs> No, I dare compare myself to Zerubbabel, but you know, sometimes it's nice sometimes when somebody says, you know, you're doing a great work, glory to God, carry on, you know, Arthur, it's fantastic to see the work of the church. We used to be a big, we had a big banner upside, outside these two windows here, and it was a big white sheet, nothing glamorous, not a lot of expense in that, Stuart, I might add. It was a big sheet, and it was painted on it. The Lord said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and that was the testimony, and the church was being rebuilt. Well, do you know there was this guy who used to be livid, livid, and was moaning because of this. He says, that's bringing the tone of the neighborhood down. For goodness sake, the whole church was getting revamped. There was life coming to it, but he was annoyed because that scripture was bothering him. And then it disappeared one night as well. Disappeared. Oh, there. But this is why, you know, I mean, the enemy hates to see things when, when he wants to close things down. My prayer is that, see, a lot of these churches, and I believe a lot of the churches are closing down is actually the judgment of God against an ungodly church. I don't want to mention any names of denominations. I could fling out a few. But, you know, but they are, it's under the judgment of God. Do you know why? Because they've become secularized. They're not preaching the word of God. They've compromised themselves and have allowed sin to rampantly come into the church. 
and they are not the light that God has called them to be. So many of them are actually under the judgment of God, but I would love to see these churches opening back up again for new life coming into them and all of a sudden we could rise up. Do you know the reason there were so many churches in this land of Scotland? Because the nation, Norman, turned to the Lord, wasn't it? We needed churches because we couldn't accommodate it because people were all coming to, to the house of God. We need to build another church. We can't cope. Wouldn't that be great to see those days again? But what we're seeing just now, we're seeing the whole place just being wrecked and ruined. May God send builders. Hallelujah. So anyway, now they're really naffed off now. Really upset. Why? Because God is moving. And the enemy hates it when God is moving. And he will seek to come against it as quickly as he can. And he will try and pull it down. And he will always come in with the words first. Always come in with ridicule. Ridicule in the situation. Isn't it amazing when you get first get saved, isn't it, Jimmy? You know, it's amazing how you get ridiculed. You know, your your so-called friends. I mean, I was I was known as a nutcase. You know, when Arthur he's got religion. Oh, he's laugh, He's lost. The, he's lost the plot. He's lost the plot. Completely lost the plot. You know, he, and I remember one night I was out in the streets doing a bit of evangelism. I, would, I got a bit bold in those days, Janice. You remember those days? And there was, and um, and I remember being out in the streets, and the pub opened up. It was eleven o'clock. We were in Shuttle Street. And, um, and that's places that I used to go and drink the old bevy and other, uh, other spirits, shall we say. And um, I remember one night, I'm saved a couple of months, I'm on the road, and there I was out there giving the old tracks out. Bullen opened up in here about 12. 12 of my former colleagues all came out, and there they were looking down the road. They're full of the, the, the bevy, and they start shouting down dogs abuse at me. For goodness sake, look at them. Hey, Arthur. Moses and all the silly names were coming out and, and they just started to ridicule me there I was what on earth are you playing at look at them out there in the street handing out tracks what are you hoping to accomplish you idiot and all this abuse the stronger language I might add was kind of floating about there and there was, and I remember just stood there and I just looked at them I was a bit bold then I think there's a spirit of boldness came upon me I went yes lads correct I'm out here handing out tracks yes it's 11 o'clock at night I says, guilty as charged. I says, but who are you to laugh at me? Hey, who are you laughing at? Wasn't it that long ago I was in that pub with all of you? And you, what are you laughing at? You're jumping about with so-and-so, and you, you're doing this, and you're doing that. And I started to read their, I read their call about it, and it was like, oh, he's mad, let's get out of here. I just thought, you're kidding yourself, one. You're full of drinking, you're looking at me, and you're laughing at me. I says, your lives are an absolute disgrace. This, this, this. And then quickly they were like, Let's go here before he starts on me. I never named their names, but there they were. They're, they're, who were they to laugh at me and that under that drunken barrage? They quickly scattered. In fact, some of them are, some of them I see now, and it's like, you know, and they're like, you know, they're quite amazed. Are you still, are you still on the road? I remember, in fact, one time, I'm digressing a little bit, but it's just a nice wee bit of this guy. And I was sharing with this guy for ages, and he's he's like, oh, Arthur, and he's laughing at me. He's going, oh. Do you know, I met him two weeks later and I went, Arthur, honestly, I thought you were at it. I thought you were just joking. I thought you were pretending. I was a wee bit of a pretender sometimes. I thought you were kidding on. You were one of those born-again Christians. He said, I never took you seriously. It was only because I was, I was talking to the other boys. They believed me. I just thought it was totally weird that all of a sudden that had changed to become a born-again Christian. Glory to God. God can change us all. But let's get to the, the finishing here, the finishing line. But meanwhile, the people of Judah... The people in Judah, the strength of the laborers, now what it's now beginning to give out. You know, there's always going to come a point when you're progressing towards the Lord that you just, you just get, you know, I'm, I can't go on here. I can't go on. You start looking at everything round about you. There's too much rubble. We cannot rebuild the wall. 
See, sometimes when you take your eyes off of God and you put them onto the circumstances, what happens? All of a sudden, I'm overwhelmed here. Are you, can I say it? We're exhausted. You ever get that? You know, you start well, but you know, you can easily lose the impetus. And again, going back to this place, I was just looking at everything. I went, this is forever. And you can lose that impetus. Amen. And you can, it can rob you of your energy, your spiritual energy. And I knew that's what was taking place. And so did these guys. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over. Isn't that amazing? This is Job comforters. Then the Jews who were living near us came and told us 10 times over. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. It's amazing that, isn't it? You know, there they are. They're trying to put the fear of death in you as well. Oh, they're out to get you. They're going to attack you. There's hordes of them. They're going to come and annihilate you. It's not what you want to hear when your back's against the wall, so to speak. There's only halfway up. And it says, so they began, to, they, they began to become fearful. But thank God for godly Nehemiah. But what does he do? He strategically then sets people at the lowest part of the wall, exposed places, posting the families, and with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, don't be afraid of them. Remember the one who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Amen. Guys, it's time for us to rise up and fight, you know. The battle belongs to the Lord. The heavenly armor, we read about it in the book of Ephesians as well in chapter 6. It says, put on the armor of God. I think for too long we've maybe had put our armor down. We're just running about and just in our civvies. I'll tell you this, it's time for us to get the armor of God on. And sure, liking that to last week as well when we're at war. We need, to, we need the armor of God. We need to what, protect ourselves. And here he is, he's encouraging them. Do you know that, you know, listen guys, the situation here is, I'm on a roll getting here now, I hope, you know, so um, I'm not going to stop to fall down. <laughs> guys, there's a massive battle for this nation. I don't think you realize the, 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 the degree and, and, and the, how dire the situation is. There's a battle for this nation. And it's as if the enemy is just about ready to, you know, just crush us. We need to rise up and fight, fight for our nation, Scotland. Fight for this nation. We need to fight because the enemy is seeking to overrule us. It's, isn't it interesting? I was just saying to somebody when we were out doing the eight cities, um, uh, one message, eight cities. Do you remember that? And do you remember I stood up in the street? And um, that was just before the, when the SNP were looking to whether they were going to actually choose Kate Forbes or Humza Yusuf. And I remember because it was choose you this day and part of it, Stuart was laughing a little bit because every time I brought out the Muslims, there was always a couple of Muslims walking by me at the back of me or something. And I went, uh, you know, and I was like, who are we going to choose? Whom's are the Muslim or Kate the, the Christian? Who are we choosing this day? Choose you this day, Scotland. Who's going to rule over you? Is it going to be Islam or is it going to be the Lord? Choose you this day. How, how prophetic that is being as we see this now, just now. Islam's over to, is here to take over Britain as it's taken over many other countries in the past. And they're out to take this nation. And because the church is in such a weak place and such a demoralized place, you would think, how on earth are we going to come for this? But you know something? I love in these positions because useless in a time like this, God will start to raise up powerful deliverers. And I pray that he does. Because we need to rise up now. We need to galvanize ourselves. And we need to raise the battle cry. And somebody has to stand up there and just decree that to our nation, Scotland. The Scots are just waiting to be woken up. We just need the godly voice that's going to do it. So when he takes precaution and he reminds them the one who's for us. You know, the Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? So why should we be fearful? 
It's time for us to just rally ourselves, to strengthen ourselves, to have a fresh understanding of who this God is that we serve. And if God is with me, whom should I fear? Glory to God. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. So we're fighting for what? We're fighting for, we're, we're fighting for the very core of this nation. Norman, this was a nation that was called the land of the book and the land of the Bible. We were known all over the world as a Christian nation. And now the enemy is seeking to destroy us, seeking to overcome us, seeking to, you know, to rob us of our, of our inheritance, of our godly history. There's a wee bit of anger. I was in there last night, uh, a wee sidetrack again. Is that okay, Erlen? I was trying to do a wee bit of painting in between. We just did the Freedom in Christ course. I know it's the men putting on different hats, but I, I put on this wonderful piece of encouraging, inspirational ministry. And I'm there, I'm painting away there, and, and I'm listening to this, and it's like, you know, it was like, wow, you know, it was just like, I, that was, I needed to hear that. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but I needed to hear it. It was me personally. I was really stirring me up. You know, I was ready for grab, running in here and grabbing a hold of that chauffeur and giving a couple of blasts, you know, into the airwaves. But it's good sometimes to get, get the word of God into you, hear some really godly preaching. And I'm thinking, my nation's on, somebody need, Scotland, somebody need, we, need to, we need to take this nation back for the Lord. Amen? We need to rise up and take this nation. Glory to God. This nation needs to hear the voice of God. And God's in the habit of using people, even as the devil uses this Sambala and Tobiah character. But then it says they took action against the enemy. Hallelujah. When the enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and God had frustrated it, we returned to the wall each to his own work. From that day off, half the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. And they posted themselves behind the people of Judah. Glory to God. And each man had his sword at his side. Hallelujah. Which is the word of God. Hallelujah. Let's keep this word close to us. Memorize it. Read it regularly. Build ourselves up here. This is the word of the Lord. Glory to God. This is why you'll see a big sword up there and you'll see a sword up there in the windows behind me and there's another wee sword here in the pulpit. Hallelujah. What does that sword symbolize? It's the word of God. Word of God is sharper like a double-edged sword. Amen. It's time for us to get that word there. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. But it goes on here, it says there, but the work was extensive, spread out, widely separated from each other. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us and God will fight for us. I love that. And our God will fight for us. Glory to God. We're not here. We're not stuck. We're not fighting defenseless, guys. The Lord is with us. And he's the one that goes ahead of the army. But he's looking for an army just now. At that time, I said to the people, have every man in his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve as his guards. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon whenever he went to get the water. And we'll finish there tonight. They were armed. They were aware of the enemy. They were aware that the enemy was fighting against them. They armed themselves and they took precautions. They were watching. They were alert. And I think this is the biggest problem. And Gillian had asked me to send a scripture that I read on Friday night at the prayer meeting and it was Proverbs 24 and I'll finish with that tonight what's the time like I better finish okay somebody said no please don't carry on <laughs> I love those days isn't it no 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 keep preaching right I'm going to finish with this because I felt it was I felt it really touched my heart on Friday night when I prayed it out and this is the book of Proverbs verse 24 and reading from verse 30 I went past the field of a sluggard 
past the vineyard of a man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed. I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. And I was in bringing that out. That was like the state of the church. We fell asleep a long time ago. The enemies come in. Our walls are down. Our defenses were down. Weeds have come up everywhere, which is sin, symbolic of sin. Weeds, thistles came up all over the place. And we're, 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 we're being demoralized. Amen. And I think when we see ourselves in this place, let's not kid on with, you know, with this or with that. Let's see ourselves in where, we should, where we're at. But from the place where we're at, let us now really cry out to the living God and say, Father, come again. Glory to God. Come again and again back into the midst of your people, Lord. Rebuild, hallelujah, the temple of the living God amongst your people here in the land of Scotland. Let us take Scotland again for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can I encourage all of us tonight that every single one of us has got our own responsibilities before God. You know, I can preach, I could preach a great message, I could preach a rubbish message as well. So just in case you think I'm trying to blow my trumpet away beyond myself. But what I mean is this, is a message is as good as a message, but it depends where it touches your ears. Amen. I remember being in a couple of meetings once and the word of God was spoken and I just, it was like, poof, I mean, it just exploded inside of me because it's something really touched me. And I remember that, and that, in fact, I was sharing with Alan, he's not here. I shared with Alan just a couple of nights ago. There was something, I went to a message, it was Suzette Hattin. Anybody know Suzette Hattin? You know, remember that time she came to govern um, Suzanne, do you remember Alec had brought over um, Suzette Hattin? It was like a five-night crusade. It was way back. It was during the big freeze. And then um, she came anyway. But God used that woman to speak to me. But she was just a word. which exploded and, and caused a massive kind of change in my life. Linda remembers that she was there that night with Claire. Claire said there, Katie. <laughs> Hallelujah. And um, but praise the Lord. God is good. Guys, God is good. He's with us. He's, he's, he's the one who stands with us and he's the one who's cheering us on. And I want to say this, he's, what he's saying to us, arise and shine. Arise and shine. It's time for the light of the church to be seen again in this land. Yes, it's dark. Arise and shine for the light has come. See, darkness covers the earth, deep darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory shall appear over you. Hallelujah. God's got plans. The enemy might think we're done and dusted and he's, he's attacked us, but I want to tell you this, the Lord is going to enter into the fight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that's another message for another time. So glory to God. Thank you again for all being here. I don't know every single person in the room. Maybe I was getting more of a chance to say hello to you two guys. It was wonderful to see you coming through here tonight. I trust you are believers in the Lord. Are we? Yes. So there's no point in me doing an altar call now because I know everybody else in the room. You know, it's always like you see somebody and you don't know who they are. And, um, but I would have been neglecting my duties if I hadn't just flung out there a, a, a word to inspire people to give their hearts to the Lord. And I better not say too much, but maybe some people that need to re refresh their commitment to the Lord as well, because they might get upset with me as well. And I don't want to upset anyone here tonight. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep using his face shine upon us tonight. Let us draw close to the Lord and let us rise up, brethren. And let's encourage each other. It's dead easy to discourage each other, isn't it? It takes a bit of effort to encourage each other. You're looking great, Linda. Praise the Lord. Amen. Listen, hallelujah. Just a, a wee, if you're a lady tonight, 
Um, there is a ladies' meeting on here in the church. You'll be very welcome to come. It's Margaret Caldwell. It's going to be sharing their testimony. And there'll be some refreshments and all that. Starts at 11. It should be finished for about 1 o'clock. And there'll be a bit of lunch flung in there as well. And it won't even cost you anything. It'll be a really good day. You're very welcome to come. And the men together. I love this, Jim. Men together, isn't it? That's us. Tony Fitzpatrick is also going to be here and um, on the 25th of November. And um, so we're looking forward to that as men. Well, even Thomas, well, we even pull the pool table out. You're in trouble, Thomas. And, <laughs> and, um, and that will be the 25th of November. So glory to God. We look forward to that as well. So amen. And um, other than that, if you want to give an offering tonight, there's a box there. You feel free to put something in and that will be very much welcomed as well. Guys, God bless you. And I really mean that from my heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for watching. If you've been challenged today, then please drop a message so that we can help, support, and pray for you. And also, remember to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss the next message.